Holy frick balls, guys. Welcome back to the Ergen Podcast. Uh, sorry we had to take a little bit of a break there, and we're a little bit behind schedule. But, uh, man, some crazy things have been happening. Um, so today, before we jump into the episode with Dick Dixon from Predator International, who actually just stepped away, and I was able to get his last interview slash uh, last podcast um, episode with him. So that was really cool. And uh, anyway, before we jump into this episode, I'll just take a couple minutes to let you guys know some things that are going on with the Airgun Podcast, with the website, the store, social media, and uh, just with me personally and kind of catch you guys up to speed. So if you don't care about this part, just go ahead and skip ahead and it will take you to the next section. But for those of you that uh, care about me and the things that are going on and want to hear this, here you go. So uh, first of all, right before I left for Texas, uh, about a month ago now, a little over a month ago, um, we found out that we were going to have another baby, my wife and I. And with our last baby, uh, she had a hyperemesis, which is basically just severe vomit and nauseating. Uh, whoa, say that again. <laughs> severe nausea and vomiting. Dude, you couldn't do that if you tried. Um, and uh, it's it's a really rare condition in pregnancy like less than one percent of women get it um but anyway she's she got it round two so um it doesn't happen with every pregnancy and she's having it with this one so she's been super sick which means i've been having to um, take care of benji our son and also just tend to her and make sure she has what she needs as well so that in itself has just been really stressful and then in the midst of that Again, right before we left for Texas, uh, or before I left, we found out that our house had some dangerous levels of lead uh, in some of the soil around the house and just, you know, lead-based paint. It's an old house, so even though things have been covered up with non-lead-containing products, uh, lead dust can still get created. So anyway, uh, one of the things we talk about in this episode is actually... Predator International and how they have pretty much started to pave the way for lead-free ammunition. And we even talk lead-free slugs. So that would be a really interesting thing. And they were supposed to come out with it this year in 2020, but, you know, COVID happened. So anyway, it's a nice little segue into that whole thing. So we had to move out of the house. Uh, We're staying with my in-laws right now. They're very gracious, very generous people, letting us crash in um, their house while we're Figuring out what to do with ours. So lead mitigation, uh, if you know anything about it, can be super crazy expensive. So on the low end, just to get everything sealed, um, it's fourteen grand, and on the high end, it's freaking like thirty grand. So it's just crazy. It's a big old mess. Um, we don't have that kind of money to just drop right now, especially with all the COVID stuff and unemployment, blah blah blah. So we're trying to figure out what the heck to do. So just kind of, um, instead of trying to pursue any kind of legal action right off the bat and figure out um, if we can get reimbursed or something like that so we can get the lead mitigated, we just figured we'll stay with the in-laws and we're going to turn our house into an Airbnb. So that's what we did. Uh, So this past two weeks, I've just been working like crazy, um, moving our stuff out of the house, uh, so basically moving, and then also doing a lot of work around the house and getting it ready to uh, be an Airbnb. 
So um, anyway, if you guys have questions about that, you can DM me. But the, the only reason the lead is an issue is we, we kept finding um, elevated levels of lead in our son's blood. And they weren't super high, but they're above the level that, you know, you're supposed to have or, or that's uh, considered safe. So just above that. And we kept wondering what was going on. We had the house tested when we first moved in. Anyway, it turns out they did a really bad test. We hired a new company that was a lot more professional and had way better equipment. So that being said, don't skimp on your lead test. If you're buying a home or whatever, hire uh, the best company you can possibly afford so you don't run into crap like this. But anyway, so basically found out we're pregnant. Wife is super sick. Moved out, turning our house into an Airbnb. So I had to push some things off, um, and it's just been crazy. So thanks for bearing with me. Uh, man, so anyway, I'm excited to get things rolling um, back with regular episodes of the podcast and hopefully having them come out once a week now. But again, things are crazy, and I'm going to have to start going back to a normal job, uh, working a, a regular full-time job. I uh, I did as much as I could while on unemployment to get things kind of kick-started with the podcast and YouTube and um, just taking the, the Airgun Podcast brand into some different directions and things like that. So there will be more stuff to come in the future, um, but right now it's going to be kind of just uh, maintaining. And like I said, hopefully once a week these episodes can come out. And um, yeah, I appreciate all the support from everyone. Uh, I get a lot of messages and stuff like that from people just saying, hey, really enjoyed the podcast and just encouraging which is really awesome to hear, especially in just the, the crazy times. So to just to bear with you guys, I've been super, super duper stressed and just like run ragged. My son woke up. I went to bed at midnight last night, and then my son woke up at 2 a.m., and then he didn't go back to sleep until about 7 a.m., and then he slept in the bed with me because he wouldn't sleep in his crib, and he just kept trying to crawl inside of my soul. So if you've slept with, if you have kids and you've slept with kids or like nieces or nephews or something, you know, dude, especially little ones, they, they're bullies, man. They will just roll you out of the bed and they'll just slap you in the face and somehow dig into your nose while they're asleep with their little tiny raptor claws. And it is just miserable trying to sleep next to them. And I have a long flow. I got a strong salad. So he just pulls my hair and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm losing it. Almost had to put him in a sleeper hold. But anyway, uh, thanks for bearing with me. Thanks for sticking around. And thanks for everyone who has been concerned and been like, what, what's going on? Where, when's the next episode coming out? So this is it. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, that's enough of catching up in the life of Tay. So Here, we're going with Dick Dixon from Predator International. Like I said, this is his last interview, as far as I know, before he stepped down. And actually, Joe Iteralde, he stepped in, and uh, he's taken over, which is really cool because he's been with Predator for a while, uh, running their social media, and he's a very behind-the-scenes guy, very down-to-earth, one of the guys who's helped me get into this industry and really um, brought me up. So, kind of took me under his wing, and I really appreciate that. So... Hopefully we'll hear from Joe sometime, but this is the last interview with Dick Dixon from Predator International, and we hear his story and the vision behind 
predator and kind of once he took over with it and yeah so enjoy this and thanks so much for listening guys dick let's just jump right in um why don't you tell us uh First of all, my first question is just to, to clarify for some listeners, because I know that they're going to be wondering this if they don't know already, is what is the difference between JSB and Predator? And how do those two kind of mesh together? What, what's the story behind that? Sure. Um, we're close business associates and very, very close friends. Uh, it began, uh, actually, the relationship began in about 1999, 2000, somewhere around then, when uh, two gentlemen from Colorado created and invented and patented the polymag pellet. And uh, they were looking for a high quality manufacturer of the lead base for the pellet. And uh, so they spoke to uh, Joseph Schultz at the time, uh, who was uh, the founder of JSB Public, and he liked the idea and the product, so he began manufacturing for these two gentlemen uh, the base of, at that time, was basically the 177 caliber uh, polymag. And uh, the tips were initially in installed here in Colorado. They had a machine that they tried to get to uh, automatically insert the, the red polymer tip into the pellet. Mm. And uh, they couldn't get it to work. So they sent the machine to uh, a, another group in Hungary who were basically old farmers who knew how to, they were absolutely engineering geniuses. And they made this old machine that was created work like uh, like a Timex watch really did well, but that began the relationship with JSB was that they made the lead body uh, for the pellet. The two gentlemen that started the company had financial difficulties, and my partner uh, Jay Cogswell and I came in and, and uh, purchased what was left of the business and uh, which at that time was almost nothing. And, and uh, we took it on and started marketing polymag pellets uh, to the market uh, and found that, uh, uh, that shooters really liked them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we expanded into the 22, 20 and 25 caliber. Now we have uh, 30 and 35s as well. Uh, and that relationship just continued to grow with JSB. And uh, uh, they asked if we would be their distributor uh, for the JSB brand initially in the United States. And we did and became uh, a, a really good move for us. And the product, uh, the JSB brand was well recognized and, and accepted and mm -hmm. We went from there, uh, we opened up the United States, then Canada, then Central America, Mexico, uh, the Pacific Rim market areas, Caribbean. And uh, so that's where we're at. We, we are the distributor for the JSB and the Predator Polymag, Metal Mag and GTOs 
for the Western Hemisphere, Pacific Rim areas, uh, and, the, and the Caribbean market areas. They in turn distribute our product, all the, the Predator branded products uh, in Europe, in addition to their own mm. ASB brand. So they handle the Middle East, uh, Russia, uh, and all of Europe. We handle uh, everything in the West as far as uh, the US and Canada and South America and the Pacific Rim. So that's how it came about. Uh, we're not financially tied to each other as far as ownership. Uh, it's two separate companies, but the relationship has really grown strong and, and, uh, and we continue to build their brand as they build ours. And, and the business has uh, responded accordingly. It's really been successful for, for both parties. So that's the history. Wow. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. Um, and it's pretty interesting too that it, I mean, that it just got started here in Colorado because I'm a I'm a Colorado kid, so I feel like anytime something cool starts here, it's always just a a fun thing to know. Yeah, we have a, a reputation for some non cool things, such as you know theater shootings and Columbine and so forth. Uh, but right. we still have terrific things happening here in Colorado, so. I'm proud of the fact that you're from Colorado and I'm a native, so uh, it's great. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, we, we Colorado does have a lot of good things going for it. But um, before we we get onto that note, uh, Dick, how did you get into air guns? What was this something that you grew up with, like a passion for, or how, how did that all start? No, as 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 most directions take a person in their life, you never know at times where you're going. And uh, my background is in the grocery industry. I was a grocery buyer. Uh, I owned a grocery store uh, and I was involved in sales. Uh, had, had my own company and, and sold to a lot of national companies, uh, Walmart, uh, Home Depot, 7-Eleven, Walgreens, literally every major retailer in the United States and in many in Europe. And uh, I sold a distributing company that I owned, a food distributing company, and then again sold another marketing company, a sales food brokerage company, and uh, uh, was kind of looking around for something else to do and hooked up with Jay. And it was Jay's dad who initially invested in the Polymag pellet with the two guys that had financial problems. And that's how we took it over was that uh, uh, there was a lot of money that was owed. So Jay and I just took over the debt and assumed the company. But uh, my background, other than, than, a, than a BB gun, uh, is basically just hunting with 22s. Uh, I love, uh, love and always have loved bird hunting and shotguns but never really was involved with pellet guns until uh, the first time I saw the polymag pellet sitting on Jay's desk. And at that time he was, uh, he was representing U.S. companies in China, uh, factories in China for U.S. companies that needed manufacturing done in China. So uh, neither one of us were really uh, involved in, in the pellet side of the hobby or the business 
until that time. And, uh, and what I found is that uh, the industry, the air gun industry is very unique. Having been in other industries, I can tell you that the air gun industry has the finest people in the world, both enthusiasts and in the business world as well. Uh, the people that are in the air gun business of manufacturing air guns and other ammunition and dis distribution and wholesalers out there, uh, you'll never meet a, a, a nicer bunch of people uh, than you will in the air gun in industry. So it's been it's been really exciting to get involved. I've learned a lot. I still, uh, you know, uh, pale in comparison to what other people know. And sometimes I'm amazed just listening to the talk and the banter. And a lot of times customers uh, and individuals think I know as much as they do and come to find out every time I take a phone call or meet somebody at the SHOT Show or at, at one of the shooting meets, I find that I learn amazing things all the time. So, so no, I was not involved in the, in the business until I actually purchased in uh, bought into this company and, and since then totally committed. Wow. That's pretty awesome. So w what kind of, uh, I mean, besides the fact that everyone is awesome, which is something I've noticed ever since I've been in the industry is it really is like the coolest bunch of people that you'll ever meet. I mean, Joe, you, you know, Joe, obviously mm -hmm. um, he, he's one of the guys that really kind of helped me get started in this. And he's been a really big advocate for me. So um and he's such a generous guy. So, um, but other than awesome people, what was kind of most surprising to you about the industry? And, and maybe it's changed over time too. Well, initially I, I was amazed at uh, how small the industry really was initially in comparison to, uh, you know, uh, regular firearms, rim and center fire guns and so forth. It was a very, very, very small portion of, uh, of the shooting industry. And that was, uh, uh, we bought the business and, and become involved in 2007. But since then, uh, you know, it's just absolutely just exploded. And um, all the all the wholesalers, all the manufacturers of guns and, and our competition as far as pellets are concerned, uh, the market has just quadrupled, in fact, uh, just this year, our business is up, you know, unbelievable amounts just since March in the COVID-19 uh, um, onslaught. And mm -hmm. people are finally have woken up to the fact that air guns are fun, that they're affordable, and, uh, and they offer an alternative to uh, the constraints of rimfire and centerfire guns. Right. Yeah, it definitely does open up a lot of uh, opportunity. And it's it's cool to see more people realizing that and coming to that understanding. And um, I mean, I hope it goes even further. Uh, for sure in Colorado, you know, getting some big game hunting legalized and things like that as far as like, you know, uh, legislation goes and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it is cool to see that. And, and you and I were talking and you said you guys are crazy, crazy behind uh, just in, in back sales or in back orders because um, everyone during COVID has just come to that realization and 
pretty much bought everything off the shelves for every company. Exactly. And it's, it's, uh, it's a double-edged sword. First of all, being in this time period, uh, with the, the COVID-19 onslaught of, of devastation that it's caused and created, uh, is bad. But on the other hand, our business has just skyrocketed. But the frustration comes in and, and the embarrassment comes in, uh, with the fact that we can't provide uh, enough product based on the demand. There are several reasons for that. First of all, you know, business basically in the industry tripled as far as air gun industry uh, sales. Uh, second of all, um, the factory in the Czech Republic, the JSB factory was hit by uh, government regulations on uh, social uh, social distancing. So they had to change a lot of things around in the warehouse. Uh, some people um, had to go to different shifts and they lost some people that way. Uh, a lot of the quality control and packaging people that are involved in the Czech Republic are women and uh, the schools over there closed. So consequently, a lot of them had to leave uh, their jobs to go home and take care of the kids. So it's been very, very difficult to keep up with production. That the, the demand has, has exploded and the production capabilities have shrunk. And then in addition, um, the uh, transportation from the Czech Republic to the U.S. has slowed down dramatically because a lot of people who were shipping a lot of manufacturers that were shipping out of Europe via air, uh, that that option ceased to exist. So everybody's able to see containers, which is what we use. And so uh, availability on the ships, uh, the transportation time has slowed down. So it's, a, it's kind of like the, the worst storm scenario. Uh, Right. Uh, demand is up, production is down, and lead time, as far as tra uh, transportation is concerned, has uh, has grown longer. So it, it's a it's a double-edged sword. We're happy that the business has grown and and doing well, but on the other hand, we're embarrassed and and frustrated that we can't ship everything that's needed. So that's it's a tough time. Yeah, and and I think that. You know, people in this industry, or at least the consumers, they they understand that. And if they don't, I don't, I don't know. They must have been living under a rock or something. But I mean, it, that's pretty typical as, as far as pretty much every business goes. I mean, if it hasn't closed down, then production is slowed down, and there's been a higher demand for things. But all these different regulations going in places, and with how much things are outsourced, and we rely on different economies and things like that to to kind of keep this complex you know thing ticking uh it's really you know everyone's taking a hit so i, I think people understand that i hope they understand we do too. That. and, we do too. and <laughs> so man but um so other than covid uh <laughs> kind of destroying things what, what have you seen like a particular growth in any area like when you introduce like the bigger calibers like the uh, 30 and 35 calibers like anything like that have you seen 
growth or things that kind of surprised you? Absolutely. When we first started, when I first got involved in the business in 2007, about 80% of our business was 177 caliber. And uh, and then uh, the introduction of more additional 22 caliber guns took that over and uh, and was higher than the 177 caliber. Then a few years later at the SHOT Show, uh, gun manufacturers introduced the 25 caliber. And all of a sudden it just skyrocketed. The, the 25 caliber uh, sales actually overtook both the 22 and the 177 caliber as far as our ammunition is concerned and our pellets are concerned. Uh, since then the advent of, again, we kind of follow gun manufacturers. We need we need the vehicle, uh, the gun, in order to mm-hmm. uh, create and manufacture and then sell pellets to match what they're making. So we kind of we're kind of laggers. We we kind of hang behind the manufacturers of the guns to see what they come up with next, and then try and do our best to match and meet. Uh, what demand those new guns put on the need for ammunition. And so that's what we've, we've been doing. Yes. And the 30 and the 35 Cal, uh, you know, obviously 40, 45, and now 50 caliber have, have increased, not to the point where, uh, those, the, the, the big, big calibers, the big bore 40, 45, and 50 Cal, uh, requires, you know, they're, it's, a, it's a whole different animal than the rest. But the 35s, yes, we've seen a dramatic increase in, in sales and demand for those calibers. But at this point in time, uh, the, the 25 caliber seems to be the hot spot because it seems to be a gun that, every, that fits everybody's needs. Um, mm-hmm. It's not too big, and yet it's it's got enough power and pack behind it that uh, uh, that it makes it an awesome uh, varmint gun and a, a target shooting gun. One one other kind of odd thing that's happened is that, uh, and and part of it is my our friend Joe, uh, who has really pushed uh, uh, the twenty caliber, and the twenty caliber was you know almost the uh, equivalent of 177, uh, and, and in some cases preceded it with the Benjamin Sheridan gun back in the in the 50s. That was so uh, the 20 caliber was so popular. Uh, the 20 calibers are actually coming back too, and so now we offer a Polymag 20 caliber and uh, two sizes of JSB, uh, a regular and uh, and a heavy in the 20 caliber. So. That that is kind of a kind of an awesome thing because a twenty caliber is so so fun to have and uh, very versatile. So so yeah, it's changing all the time. And and now with lead laws coming into effect and and uh, the change in in attitudes towards lead in particular, uh, now we're looking at uh, you know lead free in the GTO brand. We've got mm-hmm. uh, 177, uh, 22, and 25 caliber. We're working on 30s, uh, and then slugs also, and, and that's a whole new, a whole new part of the industry, and that's the slug business. And we're JSB is now 
into the slugs. Uh, it took us a while to uh, to look at it, to kind of watch and see what uh, what the, the the industry was doing as far as slugs. And, and uh, mm-hmm. last year we decided. Actually, it was a year before we decided to to take a look at what it would take to engineer machinery to automatically and automate the production of slugs. So it took a while, but we finally now have some pretty decent 22 slugs, soon to have the 25s and and, uh, and hopefully even bigger. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's the, the, the industry is changing all the time. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, uh, even since, you know, five, five years ago, pretty much when I got into it and was really started digging into it and learned that, you know, PCPs were a thing and that it, it, you didn't just have to buy a brake barrel 177 from Walmart. And there's some crazy, crazy, uh, ingenuity that goes into these things. It, it's been crazy just to see. I think the big bore scene is really opening up and there's a lot of guys kind of paving the way for that too. So do you, are are you guys producing slash you slash JSB making anything um, bigger than the three fifty sevens or at this time no uh, Predator we here in Colorado looked at doing a uh, a forty five cal and and we did there was a local not local but in Arkansas there was a major lead producer. Uh, that felt that they could make a, a decent uh, pellet in a in a 45 caliber version, and uh, JSB engineers helped us design that pellet. But their production techniques in in uh, Arkansas just didn't come up to the standard that we uh, we felt would represent our brand. So we pulled that off the market. It's called the XXL. And, uh, you know, hopefully when things settle down and things get back to normal or whatever normal will be, we'll be able to look at, at the larger calibers. I know that there are so many of these, uh, 40, 45 and 50 calibers out there that, uh, that people are really, really loving. And, and it's, uh, uh, they need alternatives to uh, to ammunition for those guns. Yeah, for sure. That's that's certainly is the case, you know, because I feel like you you do become more limited, and it makes sense why. But uh, you do become more limited the the bigger you get in your your calibers, and um, yeah, having having some variation. I mean, it's just a good thing. But that's also you mentioned that you guys pulled the XXL off of the line. And, and I think that's a really good thing for people to hear is that when a company starts working on something and, or they don't start working on something because they can't produce it well. Uh, I think that says a lot about the leadership and the integrity of the company. Cause I mean, you, you could very well have just continued going down that path and then maybe produced a, a crappy <laughs> product for people that some people liked and some people didn't. Um, but it says a lot that you, well, you pulled you. it off the line because it wasn't really. Thank you. We appreciate that. But yeah, we have a, uh, you know, generation, multiple generations now of quality uh, from JSB. And we want to keep that quality standard high. 
and even when uh, I mean it's easy to uh, to add equipment and machinery and just keep cranking it out, but the quality will slip, and that's one thing that's uh, uh, that I really appreciate in the management of JSB is that uh, despite the fact that they could probably add additional equipment and machinery and, and so forth, uh, they don't because they feel that the, the quality would, would, be, uh, uh, would be tarnished. And that's something that they just absolutely refuse to do. So, Right. Well, that's really good. Um, and kind of speaking on the the note of like the equipment and things needed to start producing new things, I think that would be helpful for people to kind of hear and, and have a better understanding of is that, you know, because you, you see like, oh, well, FX came out with these slugs. Like, when is JSB going to come out with slugs? And you started hearing about it and, you know, where everyone's waiting and waiting. And then you have people who are not in the industry who are really impatient and they're like, why, why don't they have the slugs out yet? And they don't understand like, well, one, th th there has to be machinery to produce it. You have to figure out how to do that and kind of streamline a process if you're going to mass produce something. And then you have to test all of them too. So you can't just produce it, you know, based on the machinery and be like, okay, we got slugs. So I even remember early on with Joe uh, going out and we were testing the the knockouts just to, you know, give feedback on them before they were released to the market. So what, what can you tell people kind of as far as the complex process goes of developing new equipment to produce new sure. ammunition? You know, it, you look at a, a pellet or a slug and it looks so simple and so, you know, pretty basic. It's a piece of lead and, uh, or tin in the, in the uh, GTO versions and you go, well, that's got to be pretty simple to produce. But in fact, it really is challenging because of the design that needs to be uh, created and engineered so that the pellet does perform consistently and flies right and, uh, and eventually hits the target. And so mm -hmm. the design takes a long time. And fortunately, JSB's got some terrific engineers and experience on hand now so that they can do that. But then comes, you know, they are maxed out. They, they work uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week and take off on Christmas and that's about it. So their equipment is pretty much maxed out. So when they add a new item, uh, you have to be confident that it is a uh, a good investment and the return on investment is there. So sometimes, you know, other people will come out with products, but we have to, because of the investment involved, uh, the equipment is made by JSB for the most part and produced by themselves, uh, but it's very expensive. And so they want to make sure that the product is is there's really a market out there for it. And slugs is a good example. You know, we watched and waited. Is it going to be a fad? Is it, is, is there really a demand for it? Will the shooters uh, really take to it? Will the manufacturers of the guns uh, create barrels and, and, uh, and guns that can handle uh, slugs because they are different than pellets. So all that goes into 
into consideration uh, before the product is actually developed. And sometimes it seems like we're awful slow in, in, uh, uh, in coming up with products, even with other people out there having designed and put stuff out on the market. Uh, JSB is, uh, is a little slower, uh, but when they do pr produce something, uh, it's something that we all can be proud of and that we know will perform. Uh, you know, the other thing too is that when you create a pellet, uh, somebody told me years ago that uh, when I first got into this business that, that guns are like mother-in-law. Sometimes you get a good one and sometimes you don't. And, and that's kind of how pellets are. You know, not all pellets work well in all guns. Even if the same gun is used or the same same model of gun is used, sometimes the barrels are slightly different and different pellets perform differently. And even though, uh, you know, the guy that's shooting next to you uses a, uh, you know, uh, a pellet that works well for him doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work well in your gun because it, it, it just... Right. Uh, they just have their own unique personalities. So there's a lot that goes into designing a pellet, creating the molds uh, that work. I can't tell you how many molds you can go through prior to actually having a pellet that tests well consistently. And they shoot a lot of pellets. They've got a, a, uh, a tunnel in, in the Czech Republic at the factory that's really, really unique. And uh, they, I can tell you that they go through tons, literally tons of pellets in testing uh, before they come to market with it and before they finalize um, the mold that they use. And so, and then there's trying to find time now, uh, you know, with the demand up and production down, uh, new pellets are, are kind of a premium for us. We have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of things that we want to come out with. Uh, even this year, but because of uh, the COVID situation, have been put on hold. So, but we'll continue to work uh, work on those things. We've got some some new items coming out, hopefully. Uh, but when we say they're we're coming out, then a lot of times people get excited and expect it, you know, within a month or so, and it doesn't happen that way. So. Right. A uh, good example is the Hades. The Hades took us a while, JSB quite a while to engineer and come up with, uh, but the, the final, final product seems to be doing well and performing in most uh, all guns out there. And we're really proud of the fact that uh, it did take a long time to, to work and develop, but since it, it has come up, we're, and, and performs top notch. We're really proud of it. So, and that was an item that was, was recommended to us by one of our, our wholesale companies. He called it, uh, he wanted a frangible pellet. And so we took his, uh, his request and made it happen. So, but it took a long time to do it. So. Yeah, it, it's a great pellet. And, and I have actually, I've, I've spoken with said person um, about that. Um, and it's pretty interesting just to see where all these different ideas come from and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, the Hades is a great pellet. Um, what would it look like? Maybe you could explain to people a, a little bit about kind of 
the approach and the differences with the GTO line with the lead free pellets versus pellets that are comprised of mostly lead and maybe why they run into some of the issues. Cause I know sometimes, you know, they're, they're sticky in the, um, in the breach when you're trying to load or, or, you know, people have their, sure. their things and we keep going back to lead and, but we're trying to get away from it, but it's just so easy to work with. So maybe you can talk well, a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, lead is, is the, is the chosen material for ammunition of all types and kinds and have, has been for centuries now, literally centuries. And, and it, it is, the best choice only because it works the best. It performs the best. It's easier to work with. It's uh, less expensive than alternatives, but the world's changing. Uh, uh, how we got involved with it was we, we were selling lead pellets, wad cutters, 177 wad cutters to junior ROTC high school groups that were shooting around the country. And, uh, the parents of these kids, uh, the school districts, the school administrations were concerned about the fact that lead was being used in their schools. A lot of it was kind of political because a lot of, a lot of people don't want any kind of gun in and around students or youth or in school areas. So, uh, that kind of became a political hot potatoes saying that, well, you know, we don't want lead. So lead was the, the, the focal point to get lead out. And so we sold some non-lead plastic sabotaged pellets uh, that didn't perform again. So we said, we can't do this. We can't let these kids go out and compete against other teams that were shooting lead using these inferior products that we bought from uh, mm -hmm. uh, overseas. And it just, it just was not right. So we said, we've got to come up with an alternative. So um, with the help of JSB and ourselves, we, we created the, the GTO pellets so that these kids could compete with lead pellet shooting teams and come to find out that they not only could compete, but they were winning these national meets with these, these pellets with little or no change to the guns. So it was, it was amazing. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, the, the JSB engineers uh, who tested the pellets after they designed them couldn't believe how accurate they were and how, uh, how terrific these pellets actually were. So the need was to get pellets that these kids could use and compete with and win with. Then came, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the condors in California, uh, who environmentalists feel that, uh, you know, lead is a, is, is, is a danger to those, um, those birds in that area. And at first I thought it was kind of a, uh, again, a political situation and didn't quite put a lot of uh, salt behind the, the discussion, thinking that it was more. But I've come to know uh, quite a few of these uh, raptor 
guys that raise and train uh, these raptor birds and come to find out they're right. I mean, lead is very, very harmful to these birds. And the condor in California is just one of many that it has an effect on. In fact, one of, one of our good customers and, and now longtime friend uh, raises raptors and uh, he has to, he hunts with pellet guns to uh, uh, regular, uh, regular birds out there. I don't know how, how you put it, but uh, just traditional birds to feed to his raptors and they eat, they, they have voracious appetites. So he needed an alternative. He started using GTO pellets and it's perfect for him and, and others that, that raise these raptor birds out there. So it, it's, it seems to be the way of the future. Lead free, uh, or lead pellets are, are on, on many radars as far as a hit list is concerned. So alternatives need to be considered and we need to stay ahead of the, the game as much as we possibly can. Right. And as far as that goes, uh, kind of affecting other things, you know, because lead does perform so well um, in the case of, you know, maybe slugs. Do you, do you think that's oh, a direction that things will go or are things yeah, going to no, have to I get pretty is, crazy? We're going to have slugs out um, by last this beginning of this last summer. And uh, and then the COVID virus hit and put that on, on the back burners. But yes. We will have GTO slugs out uh, in specific calibers someday soon, but uh, it, it will have to be when things get back to whatever's normal. Right. Yeah, but it's definitely yeah, on, the, <laughs> on, the, on the plate and it will be available as soon as we possibly can get them out. Well, that is awesome. Well, Dick, I mean, uh, we covered a lot, and I think this will give our listeners a, a bunch of stuff to kind of consider um, and think about and hopefully learn from and, and quit rushing you guys to get get things out when you can't even have them produced. But um, was there anything else that you wanted to uh No, I just want to thank all the, we... the shooters out there that, uh, uh, that purchase JSB and Predator brand products and how much we appreciate uh, – uh, that business and, and how much we appreciate people like you uh, who are always uh, expanding the market, uh, telling people the, the, the terrific fun and attributes of, of shooting uh, air guns and how much fun it is to, to do it with your, your family members and, and how the competition is strong and hot and and, and keeping everybody uh, attuned to what's new and exciting out there. So, Tay, I want to thank you for that and, uh, and all of our customers and hope that we can continue to offer the, the market uh, a really top-notch, high-quality, uh, always uh, true-to-performance quality ammunition for air guns. Well, I, I think uh, that's what we'll keep getting from you guys. I mean, you haven't given us any reason to think otherwise and i mean whether it's jsb or predator uh you know you, you guys being two very uh reputable companies working together i think is always a good thing um 
and you know, uh, personally, I, I I love the uh, the poly mags and what they do. Their expansion is is really crazy. I, I don't know if people have done much um, checking that out, but the, they they expand extremely well, and that that surprised me because you you go to Walmart and look at all these like you know crazy tipped like this is the spike tipped gamo pellet and all these crazy things and they they don't necessarily work very well so i was a little bit skeptical when i tried the poly mags when i was first getting into things because i had seen you know all the big box store stuff that didn't work like it said it would um but man once i started testing them and <laughs> seeing what they did I, I i didn't go back so i i always have a a tin of the uh, poly mags with me right. whatever caliber i'm shooting so Great pellets and man, I'm I'm excited to see what more stuff you guys come out with, especially some lead free slugs. I I think that's gonna we be do too. We do too, and and uh, uh, you know we're always working towards uh, meeting the demands and needs of 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 the the gun manufacturers. Uh, you know where sometimes mm-hmm. they'll manufacture stuff after we've made our pellet and. Uh, Good example is some rotary magazines, our pellets won't fit into. So we're always in the process of, mm-hmm. of doing something that will allow uh, more access to our pellets in those, uh, those magazines and so they fit. Uh, oftentimes our, our pellets are a little too long, so we re- recognize that. But it's after the fact, after the guns come out and go, oh, geez, they don't fit. So we have right, to go right. back and come out. That's why we come out with the polymag shorts uh, because the original polymags mm-hmm. were developed way before uh, the advent of rotary magazines in air gun, uh, in air gun. So, yeah, that's uh, so we're mm-hmm. always learning. It's not a, it, it's not a science. It's a, it kind of floats out there. You know, you're always trying to do what's right. And sometimes you don't. So you got to, Got to always be uh, open and always searching and looking and listening, you know? Well, I think if you, uh, if you follow that, uh, you're going to continue to do great. I mean, um, like I said, I don't know anyone that doesn't like Predator uh, and, or who hasn't, anyone who's used them who doesn't think they're phenomenal pellets, which they are. And, um, I, th- I really think you guys are onto something with the lead free stuff because just as it becomes more of a, I guess, a concern for people, especially with kids, like, you know, I have a, a son who will be two in January and Congrats. there's another baby on the way. So we have to be, Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, we, we, we have to be careful that kind of stuff. You know, if there's like a pellet laying around, um, you know, I don't want a, a kid to put it in its mouth and, you know, okay. So I think you guys definitely have a really cool thing going there. Um, very smart move for sure. And I'm just interested to see what, what things come after that, but uh, it's definitely got my attention. You know, we're actually going through something right now. We bought an older house and we're, we're having things tested and there's lead in the, the paint and all that fun stuff. So now we have to mitigate it and spend a bazillion dollars to try and mitigate lead paint. So it's definitely, Unfortunately, it is a concern, um, and it would be good for for people to just be kind of more uh, cognizant of that aspect of lead, and to just take a little bit more, you know, precautions with using them and and kind of how they 
handle it. So do you have any advice on how to uh, use lead more responsibly? I mean, you guys seem to be kind of paving the way for lead-free pellets, uh, so... It's it's uh, almost hilarious sometimes to listen to uh, some of our customers. Uh, I can tell you at the SHOT Show, I spend hours on hours on hours listening to stories of old guys like myself who talk about the days when uh, when they'd go out and uh, go rabbit hunting with their Benjamin Sheridan and uh, they'd throw the pellets in their mouth. So you know, we've come a long way from that. In, <laughs> We need to respect the fact that, uh, that, you know, we have our own personal responsibilities. We should be made aware of, uh, of the dangers and, and take action accordingly and, uh, and, and take responsibility. But as manufacturers, we need to let people know what those dangers are. And then it's their responsibility to do their very best to, uh, uh, to protect themselves and their families. So, yeah, it's, and, and lead-free does seem right. to be the wave of the future. How soon, how far down the, the, the road, you know, it will become mandatory. I don't know if it will become mandatory, but we need to be uh, alert to the fact that times are changing and that we have to stay ahead of the game. Right. Yeah. That's, that is definitely the case. And, and it, they yeah, seem to be changing yeah, pretty yeah. quickly. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, Dick, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, th- this was really awesome. And man, I'm just really excited about uh, some of those things you mentioned that sadly didn't happen because of COVID. But um, that's going to give our listeners and myself a, a lot to kind of consider and think about for uh, future ammunition. Uh, I really appreciate the time that you've given us. So thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. I, I'm I'm trying to get as many stories out there as I can. So it's it's really cool to hear kind of the history behind some of these, you know, well well recognized names and put a put a voice to a a company's name and maybe someday put a face to it once I get uh, fancy enough to do some video uh, podcasts. Uh, my stuff face like that. is made but, for podcasts. Yeah, this. <laughs> me too. That's why I started it. Hey guys, thank you once again for checking out this episode of the Airgun Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I love hearing from you guys on social media. So whether you send me a direct message or you comment on a YouTube video or parlor or comment on a post on Instagram, I read every single one of those, and you guys really keep me going. And when you guys give me suggestions or give me feedback, it really helps me produce better content for you guys and know what you guys want to hear. So keep sending those in. Keep letting me know what you liked, what you didn't like, what you thought was funny if I should do more circumcision jokes uh, about Tyler Patner and that kind of thing. Um, So, yeah, and if you guys are looking for some merch, you can head over to theairgunpodcast.com and pick some stuff up. And starting today, once this episode is released and you guys hear it, there will be a holiday special going on for any order on the podcast, and you basically have free shipping. So, uh, not basically, you literally have free shipping on any order all the way through January 1st. And I will probably throw some uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales in there as well, um, just in between and have like a discount code. So that's really cool. And then, oh, one more thing I forgot to mention um, in the beginning of the episode. 
I am partnering up with Tacticam, so you guys will be hearing a little bit more about them and seeing some more content from me. Uh, Like I was saying in the podcast with Rudy, I really liked what they had to offer, and I've seen the systems before. Uh, I just hadn't been able to get my hands on one for obvious reasons. I've been putting the podcast first, putting you guys first, um, because I love delivering good content for this awesome community that we have. So thanks for everyone who's been supportive. Um, and yeah, you guys are the best. I really appreciate it. So stick around. We have more episodes coming out and we will be hearing next week from Chris, the wild man himself, who I went to Texas with and did the hog hunt with, uh, using the Umrex air saber. And let me tell you, it was brutal. So if you haven't checked out that YouTube video, you can go get a sneak peek, but we're going to hear from Chris, hear his story, um, and just hear the tales of his legend. So peace.